This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. This is Not Another Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom, the senior pastor at North Glencoe Baptist Church and your host. And I'm here today with... Hey, everybody. My name's Donna, and I am the women's and children's minister here at North Glencoe. And I'm Matt, and I am the student pastor here at North Glencoe. And last week, we dealt with Abram. We kind of ended with uh, the covenant that God made, the repetition of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And I want to read what God specifically says, because it's going to be important as we come into the next story. It says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. Now, I think it is interesting and of note that Abraham, in his faith, is recognizing the primary cause of his childlessness is God. Yeah. Um, And... That's important moving forward because that's going to make the sin that he commits with Hagar and Sarah even worse because he recognizes that God's the reason why he's childless. So um, the word of the Lord came to him and said, No, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and looked toward heaven, number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said, So shall your offspring be. And so God is telling Abram that you are going to have a son, and that son um, is going to, 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 to be the child of promise, the child of the covenant. Um, he tells him more about what's going to happen for, for, to his relatives, but the, the takeaway is, again, that all the world will be blessed. You, you're going to have all of the, the offspring, it's, it's more than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the beach. Um, more than the stars we see in the city. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. all, all you're going to have all these kids. And Abram is an old man now. His wife is an old woman. And so he is, while recognizing that God is in control and being full of faith in that regard, he also, we see here with Eliezer, his nephew, he's trying to hook God up. And so it's easy for for me to read this story in Genesis and go, how can you be at the same, almost the same breath, God, you're the one who's made me childless. I recognize that, so let me hook you up. So something of high faith and then low faith right back to back. And again, as we've said, and this will be a reoccurring thing, then I think of how I do things. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you stop, though, and think, oh, I think I do that quite a bit in my life. And at, at this point in the story, we're at Abraham and Sarah, then, um, or Abram and Sarah, um, we are into normal, we've fallen down to something, what we would consider somewhat normal lifespans at this point. Yes, in the hundreds. I mean, it's yeah. still... Um, a little extended from A what little we're extended, but it's still, a, uh, it's like what Clearly we have Clearly past childbearing age. Yes. Uh, in fact, Sarah will say... I'm past the time when I can. She's gone through menopause. I'm past the time when I'm going to have kids. Yes. And so, um, and I, but before we start going into it, I do want to want to talk about in this. Okay, so one extreme that can be taken is, uh, and we saw this a lot with COVID. Okay, so God's in control. So I'm not wearing a mask. 
I'm not I'm not going to do anything that anybody suggests I do. And when I, I walk into a store, I'm going to be that arrogant, in your face. I ain't wearing a mask. I'm just trusting God. Okay, we, we see that on one extreme. Mm -hmm. The other extreme is I've got to completely and totally uh, hook God up because he clearly isn't broad enough to to um, to, to take care of things. And anyway, we don't even have to take COVID. I mean, you can take personal health. On one extreme, I'm going to eat all the bacon. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to walk any further than in my chair to the TV because God's in control. And then the other extreme is that um, I'm going to run every it becomes an idol. And yeah, it, that, control and, my diet, control my exercise, control everything. Chickpea, chickpeas and in, water only. Yes. Because it's in my control. Because And so... In that, in both of those scenarios, we have to recognize that there's a balance here. Mm -hmm. And we see that where David prays, God strengthen the gates of Jerusalem. Specifically prays that. And yet goes and hires people to build up the gates of Jerusalem. Okay, so I don't see a contradiction for, of me praying, God, heal me, and then taking my medicine. Mm -hmm. That, and so we're what we have to get is balance, and that balance comes down to who's actually in control, right? And so what we often do is we create the illusion in our life that we're the one who is actually in control. It's almost like, but a, we all live with that kind of day to day, don't you? Don't you find yourself? Oh, absolutely. That like you know, I'm in control of this car that I'm driving, or I'm in, you know, um, I, you know, you take it for granted until you have that almost accident, or that almost health issue, or that this, or that, or the other that God uses to pull your attention back to realize that He is ultimately in charge of that. Um, I, I mean, just a small incident of it, but um, I had someone who pulled out in front of me the other day at a notorious intersection here locally where people, there's constant wrecks. And they just, I don't know if they didn't see me, weren't paying attention. I have no idea. But they literally pulled out from me. I did the whole fishtail stop and got stopped and within like inches of their car. And they just zoomed on and went on. And I'm jelly-legged and, you know. But it was another moment where each, and God uses those little things as we go through them to remind us that, you know, while you're driving the car, ultimately, I'm in charge of all things. And I, I think that's... Uh that's a really good example of <clears throat> bringing that into the into a big instead of now you've kind of got you've kind of got a wide view instead of I guess tunnel vision I guess because sometimes I think that's what I'll like I'll settle into telescope tunnel vision whatever kind of analogy you want to use there is I'm really focused on and, and I'm and I'm like I'm it's not that I'm being super like I'm intentionally being arrogant or rebellious I guess but like um, I'm focused on okay this is what I've got to do and this is how I'm this is how I'm I'm serving and this is how I'm I've got to get this done, and I've got to do my checklist, and I've got to put my check in the box. Like I've got to get this stuff done, and and if I don't, you know, I I, think, I feel like I get in that like that kind of ebb and flow kind of thing, and I don't. That's not bad. Like I want we 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 need to be productive. We need to do what our what our vocation is, or or whatever. But when those kind of things happen, or like you kind of uh, for like a, a COVID example, all of COVID or that kind of thing is a really good example of like how it opens us up to realizing that, hey, all of all of this and this being life, it's bigger than just you. And, and, and I think, again, we think like, everybody 
we think everybody thinks the way we do. Yeah, like I, I think I that's true. I want them to be a driver knowing at that particular intersection that you always have to look like five times before and, you pull out. And that's ultimately or, rooted you know, in pride because, like, you know, how yes. I think is – Obviously, the best way to think. I mean, <laughs> We're the hero of our own movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah and that's a really good way yeah. of putting it. And and so, like, this is COVID and those kind of things. I've really, try, I've really tried to open my my eyes and my heart up to realizing that hey, you are just a. I mean, like, I, not even a chess piece. Like, cause you're not even you're not even that big. Cause I mean, you are just like a speck of dust on the chess pe- on the chessboard kind of thing. Like, it's really you are. But at the same time, we're still important, and God knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything and about I, I guess yeah. I, I guess it's just to say, you like talking to myself. I can't be. If I'm the hero, if if, if I'm making all the decisions, if I'm the main character, if I'm making this story crash and burn or succeed and take off. Like if it, if it's up to me, it doesn't matter how much I do. It doesn't matter how many check marks I put in the box. It doesn't matter how much I get done. It doesn't matter how productive I am. At the end of the day, I'm going to fail at something, some way, somehow. Like it's just like that's like if it's this story. Spoiler alert: I screw it up every time, some way, somehow. And so for me, realizing that I, I guess like you said, that I'm not the hero. I'm not, and it's not going as far as I'm not David or whatever. Like that's not not that not a dif- different different. I'm not the hero of that right. story. <laughs> different one. <laughs> King David. Yes. Uh, but to realize that it's not about me. Even if me, even if Matt, if I'm doing good things, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going off living however I want to live. And as Tom says, you know, swinging from the chandel- chandeliers in Guadalajara or wherever he's going to go. Tijuana, that's where you're at. You're at Tijuana. <laughs> where it's he not that I'm doing those pain. things. Like I'm doing, I, I'm doing good things. Yeah. But doing good thing, a lot of people do good things, you know. But not, but not a lot of people follow Jesus, and that's kind of, I guess, that's kind of the difference. And always at the at the center of that is who I am in relation to God, like that sense of humility, where the opposite of pride, where we realize that who I am in relation to God means that He's moving all the chess pieces. Um, if you will, you know, and I am a player on the board, but only at his hand Mm -hmm. and only at his will. And at the same time that he allows me to do that and allows me to come alongside and receive the joy and the beauty of the things that we do walking alongside him and in his guidance. Um, but all of that has to stay central focus. And, and, I, and I, I say that very well here in the mic, talking to everybody, but I don't always do oh, that. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm like, yeah, 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 I got this, God. You know, go help the people who need you kind of thing. Yeah. In fact, we said that the other day in one of our women's Bible studies when we were talking about humility. And, we're, you know, we kind of get this idea that we've got this. But those other people don't have it. Well, that's kind of where that's kind of where Abram's at. Like Abram's like, I've got like I've got all this going on for me. So like, I don't I don't understand. Like I mean, like you know, oh, God. Here's, yeah, and it's fixing to get ugly. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and because eventually yeah. we start, you start getting into. Okay, well, now I'm trying to hook God up. Well, now I'm trying to do the work for Him, and now and now I'm trying to be God, and like it's just kind of a slippery slope, I guess. <laughs> and I'm trying to hook myself. Yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 so I guess I can, I can. Empathize, sympathize. I, I get those confused. I can identify with the fact of, even if like I'm, I'm in my tunnel. I'm in my telescope. Like I am, I am focused in on doing what I've been called to do, and doing like, and again, like called to do is not ministry, but just being, just following Jesus. Like I feel like I'm doing the stuff to do that. But many are called, but few are chosen. Kind yeah, of or yeah, that kind of thing. Like I follow when I. 
ministry, not, not ministry, just following Jesus, when I'm doing that, I, could so, I feel like sometimes I can get so focused on doing the things that make me look like I'm following Jesus in an effort to follow Jesus, but I'm actually not spending time in following Jesus. I'm following, I'm, I'm chasing after the... I'm chasing after the proof of what it looks like for me to follow Jesus than actually following Jesus. Does that make okay, sense? Now, yeah, it does. And let me just say, I, I think I've told y'all before, um, we, we're in the women's Bible study. Some of the women who, one of the women who listened to the podcast was saying the other day, we, one of our, uh, Wanda, one of our ladies in our group, she uses the term meddling. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I want to give her due, due credit on that. But I, I've laughed now because when you did that, you know, and you start talking about doing the things that make it look like I'm following Jesus because I really want to follow Jesus, but I also want it to appear that yeah. I'm following Jesus. U- ultimately, because you know? like, I want to, f- I focus on the, but bi- I feel like you're meddling in my life. That's yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> I focus on the, I focus on the byproducts of following Jesus, but I actually don't focus on, the meat grinding part of following Jesus, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I focus on, <laughs> for lack of a better analogy, I focus on what comes out of the, like the sausage grinder than the making of the sausage. I've heard you right. say that before. Yeah. I think I focus on that. The Instagram post is more important than the substance. Yeah, like what people yeah. what people see, what we, and even in a church setting, and this is this part does zero in a church. What we produce on Sundays to me, I can get more focused on that, making sure that the, everything runs well, and or Wednesdays or whatever sounds good. It, everybody's the where they're supposed to be. All of all of that, and yeah. it's not that those are bad things, but if though if those things are not accompanied by a Holy Spirit driven follow following of Jesus, then what we're just gathering in a building for nothing. And Paul right. says that uh, out of all of out of everybody, you would be pitied the most if you're doing all of this outside of Christ. And and so all of the like COVID and just this whole probably like year to eighteen months has really kind of broken my spirit in that of realizing are you. Are you actually following Jesus to make disciples, or are you just following the byproduct because that just seems like the way to go? And and there's a difference because between the two. Because it makes you feel good about yeah. yourself. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, instead of feeling. Well, you think I have a I have a place to belong. I have you know people to be around that are like minded in most cases. I don't I don't really want to. I know that being a bad person is bad. Like I have good morals or whatever. Like we we can. Uh, but if I, you know, I, and it all comes down to if I if I'm chasing the byproduct and not the actual product, if I'm chasing the byproduct and not the source, then I'm I'm out of whack and that's a problem. Yeah, and 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 as you're listening to us as we're talking about it, this is letting you know that even your church staff, that as we're go- doing this, sometimes having a, a the word pastor or a minister or something like that attached to who you are. Um, there's an up and down walk and there's a responsibility that we owe and and fight against and that sense of where. Um, it just becomes a job, and then and we go through that roller coaster of that walk with Christ in each one of us. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not sure that we're vulnerable no- enough to our congregation or to our fellow brothers and sisters to let them know there are times that we struggle with that in those places too. Um, you know, not particularly us. I say we collective of all church staff. Yeah, I mean, not not us. We're about all the not, other people who are church yeah, staff. Yeah, 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 not us. The people. I, I tried not to point at Matt or Donna <laughs> or Tom. You know. Yeah, but the other heathens. <laughs> <laughs> but we do that. I mean, we don't. Sometimes I don't think we stop and go. Yeah, we fight this too. You know. So let's let's get back to the text because this is going to expose that hugely. Yes. Um, right on the heels, it says that um, God says to Abram, "To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates." Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant that go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. 
And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So Sarah says, look, I've got this servant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Abraham's like, you know what? Well, if you say so. Can't complain. Well, if you feel like that's what we need to do. I'm, never sorry. Worked, I'm not even trying okay. to be crude, but that's just so typical. And that funny. is so male. <laughs> I know. That is the most. That is the most guy thing in the history of time. Is you know what, honey? If if that's what if, you feel. If that's if if you just if you just think this is best. If this is just what you think is the best thing to do. And then and he shuts up, runs out of the tent. Yeah, yeah. and then he's, he's done. So you, like, he meant, grabs the polo off the counter. Yeah, 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 you yeah, meant, you, you mean, you mean like, you mean like now? Like right, right now. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. So where, where's Hagar at? Uh, <laughs> so he, Abram hears her. Uh, and oh, my God. He listens. And... Um, after Hagar, uh, after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her son, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Shockingly, this plan's not working out. That's hey, crazy. Well, uh, a outside of stepping outside of God's plan never works out. But b on just in, just to like a day to day level. Planned adultery is still adultery, and it still causes problems. It's going to cause huge problems. <laughs> a huge problem that we're still paying for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. I, now, and I want to I want to pause here for a minute and point out. Okay, so it, it, we're we're recording this in the in the deep south. In fact, I don't think it gets much deeper because once you you leave <laughs> Lower does. Alabama, you really start getting out of the south. Yeah, yeah. there's kind of a boundary. There's, down there is a boundary. Yeah. Once you get yeah. so south, you're essentially just in. Upper, you're just in North Florida again, and it like it's still Alabama because everybody's just in the, everybody's at the beach all the time. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in. Uh, we're yeah, the we're, as we're deep, deep as it gets. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the pet sin that everybody likes to point to and talk about how wicked it is, at least among people 45 or plus, is homosexuality. Yeah. Um, and, and I want us to to take a moment and recognize that the reason why homosexuality is a sin is because it's rebellion against God's plan. For sexuality, that's the reason why it's a sin. I mean, we we saw last week that anything that's not of faith, anything that's not of faith, is sin. So we're not trusting God uh, that the plan that He has, and and I have been asked a lot. In fact, I, I think I shared from from the pulpit that on Easter Sunday, I had one of our deacons stop me in the gathering area with a group of men standing around, and and as I'm running around with all these extra people here for Easter, and said. So do you think that people are born homosexual? And I'm like, really? You're going to? Today seems like a good time to ask that. <laughs> that yeah. Why don't I go ahead and, and take mute off my mic, and I'll, I'll deal with this question right now. So it, it is a very common question, and my response to that is always the same. Absolutely. And I'm naturally, yeah. I'm born an adulterer. If I did whatever my heart wanted to do, if I did what was right in my own eyes, um, I would have blown my marriage up a long time ago uh, with adultery. Uh, that's just the reality, that we all have some sin, certain sin tendencies. And so are some people born, and they, because of what happened to them in their life, because of as they came to maturation sexually, that they, they were exposed to certain things and they weren't exposed to other things, that they're naturally drawn to the same sex. Absolutely, but that is the same lack of faith that comes from adultery, from pornography, from 
people who are having sex anytime outside of what God defines as what marriage is for. Right. And, and I can point to my heart naturally trending toward adultery in this. I don't know what's best for me. I had no idea when I was 25 years old what a marriage would look like at 30 years of marriage. I mean, I couldn't even comprehend that thought process and that the depth of a relationship with another human being comes from not the emotionally high up here times, but comes from the nights with a sick kid, the the financial struggles that we get through together, the, 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 the walks every night together, all of those sort of things, and the good times and the bad times together, building those stones together so that a lifetime built together is rich and deep and so much more meaningful. Yeah. I had no idea that that was possible. Even though people had said those words to me, until you live it, until you, until you taste of it. I mean, describe Dr. Pepper to somebody. And Spicy well, cherries. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's got to be cold. Uh, but, as, but as we talk about it, um, I mean, you and I are sitting here on that side of marriage after several years, and we know the depth and richness of it, but we're, we're sitting with Matt, who is engaged, about to be married. And he's just starting in. And at your point, Matt, I, just like Tom and anybody else who's who's listening to this, in the early days, we cannot even begin to comprehend when two become one. What that means is that two different people, and as you go through the depth of the earliest years, when you start with the first struggles that you deal with, all the way through, you know, you know, almost 30 years for us of marriage and the things that you've been through, the job changes and losses and the financial ups and downs and the kids that are, doing something right or doing something wrong or the, you know, sickness of parents and grandparents and caretaking of others and all of that stuff that it, it, it matters. And when you, when you're on that side of it and you see all of those boundaries that God has put in place for a reason, it starts to become a little clearer. And so Abraham, who didn't have the benefit of the law here, he doesn't have the 10 commandments to tell him because it hadn't been given yet, did have, uh, and the fact that Abraham's story, Abram's story is passed to us, to Moses. We know that Abram would have known just because it, the information had to pass from person to person to person that God had said, and a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, mm-hmm. and the two become one flesh. That is the foundation of, of uh, the sexual ethic that defines the entire Bible. So mm-hmm. Abram knew that. So when his wife comes up with a plan to where she's going to help God out, God has not given me a child. So what we're going to do is we're going to step outside of what God has defined. Anything that comes after that statement, just like a spoiler alert, is bad news. (laughs) Bad news. I, I love Charles Spurgeon's quote. When given the choice between two evils, choose neither. Because I hear lots of Christians lots of times saying, well, it's the lesser of two evils for thousands of things. Oh, yeah. So what I think this story shows us is, is stepping outside of what God explicitly said to help God out is lack of faith. And whatever doesn't come from faith is sin. It's going to lead to sin or it's going to be explicit sin in the beginning. And so 
God doesn't need our help. And now you understand maybe why when I started this and we used the example of COVID, we used that balance of I've got to be obedient. There's my responsibility in things that I do. If, if I do live my whole life eating Reese cups and not moving and I die at 50 from a heart attack, that's expected. But ultimately, I could die at 50 of a heart attack anyway because that's on God. So I've got to do the things that God has commanded me to do, those spiritual disciplines, being in the Word, being in prayer. Otherwise, that I know what the res- results are going to be, but, but God is sovereign. And so here we see God had a plan. He wanted the story to be, there's no way that he could have a kid. There's no way that she could have a kid. I gave them a kid. And so that meant for 20 years, there's the pain of, we don't understand what God's doing. And God doesn't explain to them what he, he, he explains to them what he's ultimately going to do, but he doesn't explain to them that it's not going to happen right away. I mean, if God came to me in a vision and said, hey, you're going to have this, you've you got to use my God voice. Get, hey, can you hit, hit the bump, bumpers? <laughs> you are going to have a child. My assumption is in 10 months I'm having a kid. Not in 20 years I'm going to have a kid. Yeah. And I think that, the problem is with lies with me though in that not with god and so when god says in his word that in the book of ephesians that all the riches of god are mine now and that it is so true that i am literally in the heavenly places in that you know it's kind of like you know when we'll we will say um I'm trying to think of an example. You know, Alabama's having a good year. We'll say, we're in the national championship game but kind of thing. And I, I know I just made half my audience really angry, but <laughs> Auburn doesn't go to national championship games, right? I mean. Oh, <laughs> and moving right along. Um, but <laughs> Paul is, is so assured of the fact that we have the riches of heaven in the book of Ephesians. He says, we're in the heavenly places. And yet. I'm going to walk out of this building and still be in a fallen world. Yeah, it's raining outside really bad. Yeah, you may. I, I, it may be thunder and lightning. You probably so can, you hear, can it. hear it. Yeah, you might be yeah. able to hear the thunder and the lightning and the rain right now because it is it is coming out. Cats and dogs or what other animals. But we rains. we may have a have a wreck. People that we know and love will die. Yes, we will die. Yes, all of those things are true because we live in a fallen world, and yet. Um, God is saying, just rest in me. Mm-hmm. And that is that is literally a daily dying to self. That's so hard to do. Ah! So while we want to point our finger at Abram and Sarah and go, okay, clearly this plan was not going to work. Just from a human, just from a human standpoint. I, I don't, I, I'm thinking that the wisdom that's supposed to come with age has, they've skipped a bit here. This is, I'm going, did they really think this was just going to, I mean, the, the very fact that issues. when it says that that when she got pregnant, so here Sarah has gone uh, 90 years without being able to be pregnant. She comes up with this plan, and then she looks at her her handmaiden, and she's pregnant. Even if Abram wasn't involved, she's going to be jealous and upset. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so the fact that her husband impregnated her, and it says um, – that she, she uh, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. That's an understatement. <laughs> She's 
angry here to the nth degree at this woman. Um, and God. And because God. God because God has put her given. In yes, she's in this situation. He's not fulfilled his promise in the way that she expected it. Her assumptions. So, um, Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. It was her idea. Um, I gave my servant to your embrace, <laughs> and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked at me content. May, may the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram had to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power to do as you please. So both of them are trying to wash their hands. We are right back to the garden. <laughs> the, Sarah's saying to Abraham, this is totally your fault. And Abram is saying, this is totally your fault, and it's your problem to deal with. <laughs> And he does like a man and walks out of the tent. Yep. I got to go cut the grass. <laughs> He's going to check on the flock. I mean, he is out. Look, she's your servant. Do what you want to do. I don't care. I'm out. <laughs> so. Um, but it's still his child. So Sarah dealt harsh. Yeah, that part. He's He's out. He's done his part. I'm done. But he's no. not really. He just doesn't want to handle it. He don't want to deal with it, but he's not really out. Which we, we've talked about. One of the big temptations that men have is we just don't want to deal with this right now, whenever right now is. Yes. yes. Molly called me yesterday morning. Her car wouldn't crank, and um, I just didn't. I didn't have. That was not on my calendar for the was day. Was she here? No, she's in Nashville. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. So, Did she expect you to come to so, Nashville? No, she's walking around the car with on FaceTime. Showing me the motor. Yeah, as if you. Oh, there it is. That's it. Uh, pull that leaf out. Crank it up. You're gonna be fine. We love you, Molly. So, um, and my any time with a man, if 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 you're planning on doing something and somebody throws a kink in that, that's that, no. I, I've got to go. No, that's not what I was gonna do. I have my own plan for the day. I hate that. That that causes me and Jesse's like biggest argument is like I have in my I have in my head like a plan to do something how things are gonna work and then something small like but this happens with women too we may handle it a little differently but but you really because it all boils down uh, to control a, I'm just I want my jerk. day to happen the way that I want it to because I am God or while we might not think all the way to that come to that conclusion sure. that's where it is rooted in I would say. Yeah, yes, women probably go. I've never been a woman, but um, <laughs> <laughs> don't plan on it. That's not also also not a part of your schedule. Yes, um, I, I will say that 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 no hassle, no hassle, no hassle, kind of an thing is it, almost a it's a male thing because I see that in in my my brothers. I mean, when I I, I can see the differences in how you respond to it. When I drive by a trailer and it's got five mad, or six broken down cars in the front, I understand. I may yeah. not do that, <laughs> but I got you, bro. I understand why that happened. I feel you, brother. Because yeah. you just don't want to deal. See, that one's not me. That it's it's me on other things, but that that one's I, I'm with you. That one's not yet. That's that's not yet. That's not it. Yeah, I'm not trying to get my money back or anything. Or I'm definitely not going to get around to fixing it one day. Just call a junker, come get it, please. <laughs> I. I uh, up until really recently, I still had the very first vehicle I had ever owned at my parents' house. It, it was in the woods, but it did have a tree growing up into it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was there because at some point 
you know what? I'm going to fix that thing you up. You're going to yeah. fix that thing it's up. It's a 66 Dodge pickup truck. I'm going to fix that bad boy up. And the only reason it's not there now is somebody else drove by, saw it, and was like, hey, how much you take for that? My, and mom and dad called me and said, hey, I, I sold it for 1200 bucks. You want the money? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of it sitting in my yard. Thanks, Nancy. Yes, I can't believe that. So, um... I can says the lady, yeah says the lady who would buy nut friends instead of nutty buddies. <laughs> She's definitely selling that beat up truck for hundred percent. Behind the scenes, we're all nodding. We we do get yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. So, Sarah. Uh, shockingly, Sarah is mean to Hagar, and Hagar flees. Uh, she ends up. Um, where she's out by herself, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. So one of the things that we see from this is, comes back to that imago dea, that God's image is in everyone, even if the circumstances were, were sinful that they're around. Which brings me back to, and I, the reason I keep bringing it back to my context is because this is obviously where I live. It's always bothered me that we are so pro-life in that Baptist church, but when some teenager gets pregnant and she decides to keep the baby, we ostracize her. That really makes me mad because mm. yeah, that is an intellectual breakdown if we don't want her to abort the baby, and we're all about pro-life, I'm not saying that we celebrate the sin that caused it, but at that point... It's a human being. That's a human being yeah. that desperately needs this church to step along beside them. And that, two, there's the kid two human did, beings there. Once again, the, yeah, this, there's two there, and, and the kid didn't do anything. Like, that. that's not... The, as in the, the unborn baby. Like, the, the, it didn't do anything, so why, why are we going to... Why are we going to... Why are we going to kick it to the curb or, or kick that why are we gonna and like you said like that's two people or hopefully mm-hmm. three people and so why are we gonna kick all why are we gonna kick that family to the curb instead of this is an opportunity to, to disciple them this is an opportunity to show them who jesus is and and go from there and hopefully um I, I, my experience from childhood till now hopefully i've seen people who have uh come to understand and realize that what we're doing that we should not ostracize that we should come along and support and encourage and offer supportment support and encouragement after the baby comes that you know that young mom is going to be struggling with all the things that all of us as young moms struggle with and she may be doing it alone well we had a young lady <clears throat> or she's doing it in circumstances in Glencoe that came became with child um we as a church uh allowed her to have a shower here um <coughs> And I got several phone calls, both from within and without the church. Did you really? I did. I, and I had people who don't even go to church here who called me and said, uh, you, you're part of the problem because you're, you, you are celebrating the fact that she has sinned. And I'm like, no, we haven't printed that banner. Yeah, also, what is that on, what are we, um, you know, the whole church thing we do, what is, what is that? How, how is that? How is that almost any different in terms of we're having a service for sinners? Like, that's what the that's what this building is for. That's what the church is supposed to do. It's a whole it's a whole place full of sinners. And so if I come here and get a, you know, if somebody came here and got a free meal, uh, you know, this past Sunday when we did a fundraiser, if somebody paid for some, or whatever, you know, like we, 
it's the principle's the same. We're do we're doing stuff for it's sinners doing stuff for sinners. I mean, like I, I don't understand. That's kind of a and we don't do it perfectly or consistently, and that's one of the things that we have to constantly watch and guard against. But I, I'm, a, I, I am heartbroken that you had received that many calls. I did not know that. That's um, a tough. That's a tough argument to make when the next time somebody wants to have something here, that person may want to call you. Want to have something here at our church? It's like, and it's not being again not trying to be judgmental, but it's like, well, you know. We don't, we don't, we don't let sinners in here to do anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like that's that's a really tough argument to make because it's one of those things that as I'm pointing a finger at somebody, there's about three or four more pointing back at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we we all have that blind mm-hmm. spot. So I we do. I, I, I uh, recently put up a quote from one of the Puritans, and I had somebody o- online that 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 jumped my, me because they this person, um, like didn't speak out against slavery in their lifetime to, to enough to make this person happy. And, and, and I actually said, so if I cut out all the people that have open sin in their lives, then I can't quote anybody outside yeah. of Jesus. I mean, Paul himself called himself the chief of sinners. There's balance there. Right. Uh, but it, like I said in the sermon, if Hitler said that the sky was blue and that's truth, just because Hitler said it doesn't make it untrue. Right. And so uh, I mm-hmm. might, in, in a sermon even, quote Nietzsche because he says something. doesn't mean that I support Nietzsche or support everything that he ever well, said. philosophy anyway. And yeah. so bringing it back home, in this particular case, every human being that's born, or that's unborn, every human being that's conceived carries the image of God. They carry the Imago Dea. A big part of what is laid down from end to end in the Bible is that man is made in the image of God and that God so loves the world. And that if we in the church don't ooze love on everybody, then we're doing the same thing that Sarah did here. We're helping God out. And so we've got to be really careful for that because it's really easy for me to be in Walmart or in Johnson's, and there's somebody, you know, that shows up uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon wearing their PJ pants, and they stink, and they clearly are high, and me to, in my mind or in my heart, to to go, ah, thank you, God, that I'm not like them. Mm-hmm. And so we, in as we said earlier, that every day that I get up, I've got to fight to die to myself. That, well, we didn't use that word, but we talked about not being the hero of my own story. That's what dying to yourself is, making Jesus the hero of my story today, and I've got to do that every day. A big part of that is recognizing that, and not even to a level of, but for the grace of God, except for the grace of God, go I. Uh, yeah. but But it's actually on a heart level recognizing that I do go there sometimes. And so as you've read the story and as we're talking, what keeps circulating through my mind for a woman is I'm thinking about Hagar's desperation, that she was so desperate to get away from Sarah. Sarah's so angry. There's such a a, a rivalry and a bitterness that sprung up from this whole situation. And Abraham's walking away and not wanting to handle it. You're seeing the results of his lack of dying to self, his willingness to step in to lead even in this situation on multiple levels with every part of it. But I keep thinking about Hagar and what she went through and had Abraham done what he was supposed to from the beginning, how it would have changed. 
And so uh, th- we're going to end this story and end today with Hagar confessing that God is the God that sees. Yeah. And it, we would do well just as human beings, but also as believers to recognize that God is a God that sees. Um, that is a it's kind of like it's kind of like that we we said a few weeks ago that be not deceived god is not mocked whatever you sow you reap can be super scary or really beautiful according to what you sow god being the god that sees can be both horrifying and comforting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can be super um convicting and uh amazing that the God that created the universe, I mean, on a micro level, if you look at how the human body fits together and how, you know, cancers are being born in every human being every second. God just has a system that destroys them. And you've got all of these issues that go on here and and, and the times that we pull out in front of a, a car or a time a car pulls out in front of us and we're just seconds off or the times when, you know, a tornado goes through an area and, and you look at it and this side of the road, all the houses are destroyed and the other side of the road, it doesn't yeah. even look like yeah, there's yeah. been a storm. And all of those things, it can be comforting. It can be just, it's our job to to remember that God is God and we aren't. He is sovereign. He's in control and he knows. Mm. And as we looked at the book of Revelation, that was one of the things that came out. Often, which I've said this multiple times, like through that depth, that study of Revelation, you think of a Revelation and you think of the scary and the freaky and the unknown and, and all of those things. I mean, there's an aspect of that. But to see how often that John relays the message that God is portraying, or that God is, is showing him that God knows exactly what's going on. And, and in the weirdest way ever, the book of the Revelation is extremely, extremely, extremely encouraging and comforting. And while that sounds super weird, it's the idea that constantly in the worst of hit in the in some of the worst times of history ever, God has everything moving and shifting exactly like He wants it to, exactly as exactly how He has commanded it to. It has a certain like the darkness, the power. Satan has a certain limit. He has a line in which he can't cross, and all of those things wrapped up is is encouraging to know that in all of that planning and moving, He knows me. He sees me. He loves me. He sent His Son to die for me. That that in all of in all of that craziness and movement, that I am a small part of that. Again, I'm not the hero. It's because of of Christ's work on the cross, and that the grave is empty. But to know that I've to know that I'm just a part of that. As I said earlier, I'm not the hero. I I I I do get stuck in tunnel vision. But to know who my hero is, and that I get to play a little bit of a part in that, is encouraging. That he does see. That he does. That he is in control. He is sovereign. And so that was crazy throughout Revelation, and you see that all throughout Scripture. That that's that it all boils down. It all comes back to that. That God has had a plan from the get go. Like we're, you know, we're just middle in the book of Genesis, and we're talking about we made a connection to Revelation. Like we made a connection of all throughout the rest of history because God is in control. It's not a coincidence. All these things didn't come together by an accident. It's it's one miraculous Maker who is orchestrating everything, and it's encouraging for us that we can have just a small part to play in this, but ultimately all of that being done so that we can worship and glorify him. 
And at the same time, a small child in northern China right now is known by God and yeah. seen by God. And he's orchestrating his life, my life here, my brothers and sisters just in this church body. And that he can accomplish so many different layers of things simultaneously. And all of them ultimately reach the goals that he has for his honor and glory. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the story of Sarah and Hagar and Abram. Uh, I ho- hope that's been edifying for you today. We're going to continue with the story of Abram. It, apparently, we're going to be in it for a month or so. So uh, <laughs> look forward to that. Go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king. <laughs>